Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Luke 24, um, we're going to start in verse 13. That same day, two followers of Jesus. What day is that? It's Resurrection Day. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Same day, two followers two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were doing a 10K. Uh, As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, Jesus said, what are y'all discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who had told them Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said, because men don't never believe women. (laughs) Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him to stay. They said, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Does that sound familiar? It did to to them too. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn? Isn't it just like two men? Didn't I tell you I knew? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us? on the road and explain the scriptures to us. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for what you're doing right now. And I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would quicken our hearts and our spirits today, that you would help us not just to hear it, not just to understand it, but to believe it and to do it. And I pray, Lord, that our lives are changed as a result 
of your word and your presence and your power this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's the week after Easter. Now what do we do? I almost put on the sign this week, Easter's over, but we're still having church. (laughs) Everybody's welcome, right? Um, We spend so much time and energy ramping up to celebrate the resurrection that it can feel like a bit of a letdown when it's over. Or, Or maybe we just don't know where to focus our attention and our energy once that's over. Can I tell you that maybe the people in Jesus's day felt the same thing? We get all weirded out about what happens after Easter. Imagine what they must have felt on the actual day of his resurrection. They'd they'd been ready to crown him king of Israel and watch him take the throne on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then in a week's time, they saw him crucified. Not only would he not be the king... Not only would there be no positions in his kingdom for them and the rest of his followers, his earthly ministry was over. His, uh, their, their lives, the focus of their lives for the last three years was now shattered to pieces. Then, then as they were beginning to wrap their minds around what a world without Jesus might look like in their lives, then, then they hear that this incredible story that the women came back with, that Jesus was alive, the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty. So in the midst of their sorrow and their confusion, there appeared this ray of hope. But what did it mean? Were they what were they supposed to do with this new information? So if if it was all true and Jesus really was alive, how were they supposed to live their lives in this post-resurrection world? So in the midst of all the the mental and emotional chaos, on the afternoon of the very day of the resurrection, two of Jesus' followers took the short walk from Jerusalem to their home in Emmaus. Now some of you might be sitting here today and you might be saying, listen, all right, I've been here for a few weeks. I heard Pastor Robbie a couple weeks ago and I definitely have some areas in my life in which I need a hero to sweep in and rescue me right? And, and, and maybe you heard me tell you last week that Jesus loves you and that he died for you and he paid the price for your sins and that he really rose from the grave and that he is really God. And maybe you're saying, listen, I'm there. I, I believe all of that stuff. I'm all in on all of that. But Easter's over. The resurrection has happened. Now what am I supposed to do? And I would suggest that all of us do what Cleopas and his friend did. That we take a walk with the risen Savior. And so today I'm starting a brand new series called Walking with the Risen Savior. Walking with the Risen Savior. Now, I hope you heard this communicated clearly on Easter. And quite honestly, every other time that I've ever shared the gospel with anybody. Salvation is not the end of your spiritual journey. It's the beginning, right? What am I going through, puberty? This What in the world? <clears throat> it's the beginning, all right? Get my manliness on. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't just check the box on your salvation and then go about your merry way, right? According to the, the uh, accepting the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, 
for your sins means that your life is now surrendered to him. It's not a one-time interaction. It's the beginning of a relationship. In terms of our message here today, you didn't just walk to Jesus as your Savior. You're learning to walk with him as your Lord and the master of your life. He's not just the forgiver of your sins. He's the redeemer of your soul. He bought you back from the kingdom of darkness. You belong to him. You've been bought with a price, and the price was his own blood, which he shed willingly for you and for me. So when you get saved, it's, it's not the end. It's the beginning of this journey with the risen Christ. We, we have to learn not just to believe in the risen Christ, but to learn to walk with him every day. And listen, that's not a burden. That's not the bad news. That's a blessing. It's a blessing. So based on the experience of these guys on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, there are some things that I think we can expect to find when we walk with the risen Savior. And and, and the first thing is, and the title of today's message, is that sometimes we find Jesus in disguise. Jesus in disguise. Brandon Heath wrote a great song with the same name, Jesus in Disguise. Here's what I mean by, by this. The Bible says that as they were walking along the road to Emmaus, that suddenly Jesus was walking with them, and they didn't even notice him. Can you imagine walking down the road with the risen Savior, and you don't even know it? You don't even notice him? It was, it was like Jesus was in disguise, all right? That's where this comes from. And I think there are a couple of reasons uh, that we can see in the passage. First of all, Jesus was disguised by their distraction. He was disguised by their distraction. The Bible notes that they weren't just strolling casually down the road. They were deep in it. They were deep in it in conversation. As a matter of fact, once they noticed Jesus being there, Jesus asked them, what are y'all talking about so intensely? At at least to some extent, and, and we'll talk about the main reason in just a minute, but at least to some extent, they didn't see Jesus because he was disguised by their own level of distraction. They, they were extremely confused in this moment. They were profoundly sad. They were mentally and emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And they were all of those things uh, to the point that when Jesus showed up, they couldn't even see him for who he was. And maybe even worse, they didn't even recognize his presence and proximity to them. As a matter of fact, they were probably feeling his absence in that moment, longing to be with him the way they were in the last three years. They had to be thinking, man, when I feel like this, all I had to do was go and get with Jesus, and now he's gone, and I wish he was here. But he was there, step for step with them. They just couldn't see him, and they couldn't sense him in that moment. So let me ask you today, what's got you distracted? What, what's on your mind today? What are you thinking about or focusing on or processing in your brain right now? What's the topic of the internal dialogue in your mind? And we've all got one all the time. 
What's the topic of that internal dialogue that's got you blinded to the fact that the risen Savior is walking with you? If, if you're too focused on your own distractions, you'll sometimes get offended at God for not being there with you. You ever said that? God, where are you? I need you right now, and I don't know where you are. The reality is, he's right there. You've just, you're just too distracted to see him. Jesus warned us about the distractions. He said most of our distractions are going to be earth-based distractions. Bro, all of our distractions are earth-based distractions. He told us not to get caught up in those things. Now look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33. We talk about 33 all the time. We don't see the context sometimes. Verse 31, Jesus said, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Well, that stings. Like, how many conversations do you have every day about what we're going to eat? What we're going to drink? What we're going to wear? Where are we going to go? Right? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So what's the conclusion? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. Focus on your walk with Jesus. Talking with Jesus about your needs is one thing, but keeping your mind and your focus and your attention wrapped up in all those things is a distraction that'll keep Jesus disguised in your life. It's a dangerous thing for your spiritual health. Look at what Jesus said in the parable of the sower, also in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus said the the seed on the rocky soil, now I'm kind of hitting the the end of this thing. You can go back in Matthew 13 and read the whole context. He's given the interpretation of a parable that he read, that that he spoke to the people. And he said the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. Distractions will choke the life out of your spiritual relationship with Jesus. What did he say? Problems, persecutions, the worries of life, and there's lots to worry about if you let yourself. The lure, the temptations of wealth, all of those things will sap the life out of living. And they'll keep you from seeing the risen Savior right beside you. These two men on the road to Emmaus were fretting over what, what had happened to them going over and over the events in their minds, but apparently not with a spirit uh, or a a slant towards, uh, towards spirituality. It was just their own carnal minds going over and over again trying to figure it out. But Jesus taught us in these two passages from Matthew. Jesus is the solution 
to your issues, right? Jesus is the provider of your needs. If you read a little earlier in Matthew 6, he teaches us it's Jesus who feeds the sparrows. It's Jesus who clothes the lilies of the field. So seek him first. Trust him. Believe in him. Allow the word of God to take deep root in your life. That's the most important thing. When you learn to set aside your own distractions, you begin to realize that the risen and mighty Savior is, is and has been right beside you the whole time. So don't allow your distractions to put Jesus in disguise. So here's the second thing, and it's the most clear from this, uh, from this passage, is that Jesus was disguised by God's intention. I, I, I bet some of us have read that passage over and over again, and we never noticed that Jesus, that Jesus was disguised from them because God decided to do that. It was his decision, right? They were, they were certainly distracted, but it's plain that God blocked their recognition of Jesus in that moment. Now, let me set, it up, let me set this up this way. We humans are very much in the moment kind of people, aren't we? Like, we, what's happening right here in this moment is our reality, and we tend to forget about our history, and we tend to ignore what might be coming in the future. It's just about what's right in front of us right now. And one of the evidences of spiritual maturity is learning to trust that what Jesus said is true, past, present, and future. So even when our present day experience isn't what we'd like it to be, I heard Robbie pray this morning, God, this week didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. We have expectations going into a week, right? And sometimes those things crash and burn. So even when our experience isn't what we'd like, we know that he can be trusted and that we don't have to freak out over every moment that something feels different. The prophet Jeremiah said our hearts, which is the seat of our emotions, our mind, our will, and our emotions, Jeremiah said our hearts are deceitful above all things. That means our feelings will lead us to a conclusion that is not accurate. It's just not true. That's why over and over in the Bible, it says the just will live by what? Faith. Not feelings faith not perceptions faith second corinthians 5 says we walk by faith and not by sight so as we walk with jesus we have to trust what we know by faith and not what we've perceived with our eyes or with our feelings here's what you can build your life on all right if you've ignored everything else listen to this there will never be a time in your walk with the Lord when he is not there. Period. He is beside you. Every step, all the way. How do we know that? Not because that's the way I feel today. Not because that's the perception that I have based on circumstances in my life. But because that's what he said. Look at Matthew 28. We, we, we talk about this and we talk about vision and mission of the church. And we talk about going and making disciples. But look at verse 20. That teach the disciples to obey these commands that I've given you. But look at this promise. Be sure I'm with you always. 
even to the end of the age. I'm with you, he said. Look at Hebrews 13 and 5. He said, don't love money or be be satisfied with what you have. God said, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. Look at Psalm 139, 5 through 7. The psalmist said, God, you go before me and you follow me. Like if he's in the front and in the back, how is he not all around you, right? You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. It's too great for me to understand. I can, here's the conclusion. I can never escape from your spirit. I can't ever get away from your presence. Look at Psalm 23. We, we only read this at funerals for some reason. Look at the promise at the end of this passage. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You are being pursued. You're being stalked. By who? Goodness and mercy. Who, who, who put them on your trail? Well, God did. The good shepherd said, goodness, mercy, get after that boy right there and don't let him out of your sight. Right? All of those promises are true. All of those promises are real. They, there will never be a time in your relationship with Jesus that he will not be right beside you at all times, period, end of the sentence. But listen to me, there will be times when God will keep you from recognizing that he's there. Why? Why isn't his presence manifested all the time? Why can't I always feel him? Why aren't we shrouded in the warmth and fuzziness of his arm around our shoulders as we walk down the road with him? Because the just live by faith. It's a faith walk. Isn't that what he said? We have to learn to trust that he is who he, who he said he is. That, that he is not a man that he should lie. That God is true even if every man, even if every circumstance is a liar. If he said he would never leave us, if he said he would never forsake us, then he won't. But he never promised that we'd always be aware of his presence. Or that we'd always be able to sense it. It's a tough lesson to learn. But once you learn it, Reminding yourself of it will bring you great comfort in your life. If you know somebody that's been saved more than about a month, you talk to any veteran follower of Jesus, and every one of them will tell you about dry seasons. Right? You know, just look around at all the people going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, what's a dry season? Times, sometimes even extended periods of time when you don't feel close to him. Like, y'all ever wake up and go, I don't even feel saved. Right? You're like, yeah, every Monday morning. <laughs> you know, you, um, it, it feels sometimes like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. Right? It feels like your praise and your, the worship of your king is, is just routine. And it doesn't seem to draw you into his presence like it used to. Well, what happened? Has he abandoned you? Have you fallen into some sort of sin that's caused you to lose fellowship with him? Listen, it's always a good idea to check on your relationship with the Lord and repent of your sin. But more than likely, it's just that, that you're, you're in a dry season. You're in a dry season. 
And in those seasons, the only thing that's going to get you through is, is knowing that the spiritual reality around yourself has not changed. Knowing that God is still on the throne. Knowing that Jesus is still near. He's, he's still hearing and he's still answering prayer. He's still receiving and being blessed by your worship and your praise, whether it's doing anything for you or not. Our walk with the Lord is not by sight. It's not by feeling. It's by a faith in the unmovable, unshakable truth of his word and his un, unchangeable character and nature. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. <clears throat> I love the song. I love the bridge on the song Waymaker. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Even when I can't see it. He's working. The reality of God's presence isn't contingent upon your awareness of it. He's just there because he said he'd be there. You you are not and will never be alone. Jesus is right there. I woke up this morning and, um, and I saw something on Facebook I had shared five or six years ago. And somebody Somebody shared it, reshared it as a memory this morning, um, something that I had shared then, and, and I saw it this morning and just felt like this was perfect timing. And I want to share it this morning with you. Um, a few years ago, before, we, uh, before Valerie and I adopted our last three kids, we were fostering, and we had two brothers. They were, they were four and six. And I got the four-year-old. Um, we were getting ready to go somewhere, and he was ready, and, and I just had him sitting down with a tablet and just said, play a game. Just do something. <laughs> just sit down. I'm going to go out in the driveway, and I'm going to walk and pray. Like, just give me a minute, and let me go find the Lord. Y'all ever do that? So, whew. so he sat down for a minute, and I walked out, and Valerie was getting ready, so I, I thought this would be a good time. So I told him where I was going to be in case... He needed me, and I could like look through the window and see him, so, um, so I went on out. I, it hadn't been five minutes. Y'all figured this out already, right? It, it hadn't been five minutes, and I heard him calling my name. So when I answered him, he said, where are you? And I said, I'm right where I told you I'd be. Right? He wasn't satisfied with that. So he came right down the steps. He started talking. Y'all ever talk to a four-year-old? It's about like that. So he starts pointing out the worms and the slugs that got washed up in the rain the night before. And, and finally I said, um, Aston, what are you doing out here? And he got right to the heart of the matter. He said, I just want to be with you. I know, right? A little red-headed dude. Um, so he started showing me all the things he could do. Right? He started doing jumping jacks. He had mastered jumping jacks. And, and he told me all the things he knew. This is a baby slug. I'm like, put that down, boy. We're trying to get ready to go somewhere. So before long, I noticed, I looked down, and he had both hands shoved down in his pockets, which is the cutest thing. Right? And I was like, why? I wonder why in the world he's got both his hands. And then I looked down, I had both my hands in my pocket. I know, right? How long has it been since you spent time with your father? 
Like, like, don't you miss him? Don't you just want to be with him? And just like I did when the four-year-old called my name, when you call his name, he's going to answer you. And you'll find that he's exactly where he told you he'd be. He's exactly where he's always been, which is right beside you, even when you don't realize it. See, learning to walk with a risen Savior is about walking by faith, knowing that he's always there, he's always with you. That even when you're confused, even when you're sad and grieving, even when you're mad at him, even when you're scared, even when you feel alone, even when your world has fallen apart, even when God has hidden himself from you, even when you're distracted by all the things that he told you not to get distracted by, he's not going to walk away from you. When you come to yourself, when you break through the fog, when your dry season is over, when he opens your eyes and reveals himself to you, you'll see that he's been there the whole time. Wanting you to talk to him. Now I'll read another passage that, that um, promises his presence after the resurrection. Look at this, John 14. This is the night uh, he's arrested, Jesus is arrested Uh, They're on the way from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And and I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate who will never leave you. Who's the advocate? He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because they're not looking for him and don't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Well, who's living with them now? Jesus is. No, I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you'll also live. When I'm raised again to life, that's the resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And how are they going to know that? Through the Holy Spirit. See, we have a distinct advantage over the two guys who were walking the road to Emmaus. When they, wh- whether they recognized it or not, Jesus was with them, but he was only with them. Now that Jesus is not only resurrected but ascended back to the right hand of the Father, now that the day of Pentecost has happened, Jesus isn't just with us, he's in us through his Holy Spirit. There's no way that you're going to get separated from him on the road because he's inside you if you're his follower, if you've surrendered your life to him. If there's one thing I wish I could change about my spiritual formation, about my, um, my walk with the Lord, it's I, I wish that I had had a better theology of the Holy Spirit when I was younger. I wish I wasn't so scared of him. When I was young, I, I wish people had not made him to be so mysterious. I, I wish they hadn't made him to be so overwhelming. Have y'all been in some? Is it just me? Have y'all, y'all been in churches, in services, and they they talk about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, what? Like I don't want nothing to do with none of that, right? 
Jesus was already telling. He hadn't even been crucified yet. He was already saying, as you learn to walk with the risen Savior, you're going to find that my spirit is just like me. It's the, he's the spirit of Christ. Jesus is saying, I'm not going away. I'm actually getting closer to you. Amen. I, I, I'm not just going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. Because of the Holy Spirit, he's not just walking beside us. He's walking and living within us. Walking with Jesus in the power of his resurrection is walking with the power of the Holy Spirit because it was the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus up from the grave. And while he's the third person of the Trinity, he's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, he is as gentle as the baby in the manger Or as the one who said to the woman accused of adultery, Woman, where are your accusers? That's the Holy Spirit too. Learn to walk with the Spirit every day. Recognize Him. Recognize His presence in your life. You can talk to Him. You can talk to Him. Let me show you a couple of uh, of scriptures here. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. That's walking. You're going to keep in step. You better be walking with the Spirit. Look at Romans 8 and 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. On a regular basis, on a regular basis, I'll I'll say, I want to walk in your Spirit today, not in my flesh. Like, I just want to get out of the way because I'm going to mess this up. When I'm being questioned about something or challenged by something or facing something that I don't know how to respond, which is way more often than I care to admit, I'll say, Holy Spirit, help me, right? God, quicken my mind, give me your thoughts, help me to know what I'm supposed to think, how I'm supposed to respond. And there's no need to wait for processing There's no need to wait for it to travel from heaven to earth. There's no delivery time. He's already inside you. It's the Spirit of Christ living inside you. It's like walking to Emmaus or anywhere else, fully aware of the presence of Jesus and being able to walk with Him and talk with Him all along the way. And that's why Jesus said in the next chapter of John, it's better for you that I go away. This arrangement has been cool, but it's better for you that I go away because when I do, the Father's going to send the Spirit. Walking with the risen Savior may mean that sometimes Jesus is right there and we don't even recognize Him. But the great news is it always means Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, no matter what our feelings may tell us. Because He's inside of us, every believer, in the form of His Holy Spirit. Now this is, we're going to pray here in just a second. This is, this is what I want you to think about. You might say, John, listen, I, I didn't realize that walking with Jesus means we could have His Holy Spirit in our lives. Then, then let me challenge you today. Why don't you just invite his Holy Spirit into your life today. Why don't you just surrender yourself and invite Him in and do it every day. Every day. Ask Him to lead you. Ask Him to guide you. Ask Him to take over your life. Or maybe you're saying today, 
John, these the, the things have fallen apart in my life, and it feels like Jesus is a thousand miles away. Well, listen, the psalmist said he is near to the brokenhearted. He's near. He hasn't walked away from you in your time of distress. If anything, he's gotten closer to you. So don't believe the lie that the enemy tries to sell you. Ask the Lord to increase your faith, to believe that he is right there with you, living inside of you through his spirit. And here's one more more group of people I want to talk to this morning. Maybe you're saying, listen, I'm in a dry season. I'm in a dry season. Love the Lord. And I'm doing my best to keep going. But it's just been dry. The Lord's teaching you to walk by faith. So lean into Him. Don't give up. Don't get condemned. Don't believe that you're, that you're a rank sinner and that God's doing this to punish you. He's not trying to punish you. He's trying to grow you. So just lean into Him. Keep praying. He's there whether you can feel Him or not. Keep reading the Word. Even if it's dry, keep reading because you're planting seeds. Keep worshiping Him. He's still blessed by your praise whether you are or not. And isn't worship about Him and not about you? Keep serving Him. The best way to get your mind off yourself and your problems is by helping somebody else. Just don't forget, He's right there beside you. Y'all stand with me, please. Listen, be encouraged today. No matter how your life might disguise his presence, Jesus is near. He's near. We're going we're gonna to pray together. This altar is open. As you've already seen, it's always open. So if you want to come and pray about something, by all means, you come and pray. Okay? They're going to sing a song. If you'll give us three or four minutes together to just hear what it is the Holy Spirit's saying to you today, then we'll be dismissed together in just a few minutes, okay? But let's give the Lord time to work in our hearts, get through our thick skulls sometimes, and tell us what part of this is for us today. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to be in your house today, in your word today. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care for us, that you are with us at all times. I pray that you help us to walk uh, more aware of your presence. Help us, Lord, to to, uh, invite your Holy Spirit into our lives on the daily, moment by moment. And I pray, God, that you help us to learn to walk by faith and not be so moved by our feelings. But, Lord, to build our lives on the solid rock of your word and your character. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.